Have you ever considered getting into the cryptocurrency space but lacked the familiarity with the technology and were seeking direction on the best ways to get involved? In this episode, we'll be speaking with Josh Bragenza, BG Wealth Group's technical analyst on why BG has expanded into cryptocurrency investments. And everybody remember that the Beyond Growth podcast is a podcast for everyone who wants to increase their wealth. Craig and I are business owners and investors, and we share our insights into building wealth and bringing you new perspectives, and we introduce you to expert guests. We also use the three pillars of possibility, which include emotional support, business strategy, and financial understanding to help our listeners and viewers with their goals. So how do the three pillars relate to today's episode? Well, Craig... Yeah, we're going to really get into the pillars today. Obviously, we're talking cryptocurrency, so financial, uh, for sure. We will be discussing that pillar uh, at length, but also emotional support. One of the things that I find with the cryptocurrency space is people, it's still a mystery to a lot of people, and they're still very intimidated by it. So opening up the conversation and getting the conversation going so you start to know what's going on in the space and you can start to understand it, learn it, and maybe move into it if that's what you want to. But knowing that you've got somebody that you can have a conversation with uh, if you want more information or you need more support in understanding you know, where you go or what you're doing or, or how to move forward. Excellent. And, you know, part of the three pillars of possibility is they all work together. So understanding the financial understanding, obviously, in crypto space, understanding how it relates to your emotional uh, commitment to getting into a new space, obviously, that brings into business strategy because those two things are key and, and foundational to our business strategy. Making money helps us in business. And Absolutely. understanding how emotional support can tie into money helps us in business. So everybody, please remember to like, comment, and subscribe to our YouTube channel and uh, click the bell for any updates to our videos. Yeah. And before we continue, Claudia, I always likes to start off with something positive. So what do you have for today, Claudia? I do. I do. Happy belated 4th of July to our American friends and happy Canada Day to our Canadian friends. I am so, so surprised that we're already halfway through 2021. Are you surprised, Greg? Absolutely. It's just another year flying by. It's crazy, isn't it? it like is. Just crazy. Like half the year has gone by. But what I am so thrilled about is that we're in Canada, as many of our listeners know, and Canada is finally starting to open up. So I have had the wonderful blessing of seeing my friends and family in the last few weeks. And I am so happy to actually be in person contact with people. So happy belated to everybody out there. And very, very true. It's, it's so nice to start reconnecting with people in, in real life as opposed to uh, just on Zoom and, and what have you. So thank you everybody for, for listening to the podcast and we look forward to this episode. Well, let's bring on Josh. Hey, Josh, how are you? I'm doing good, Claudia. Hey, Craig. How you guys doing? Awesome. Thanks. Thanks for being on today. Yeah, uh, pleasure being here. Uh, happy to talk about what I'm doing and talk about cryptocurrencies in general. <laughs> so, Josh, tell us what you do at BG Wealth Group and why we are getting into the cryptocurrency space. Right. So, I'm an investment analyst for BG Wealth Group, and I just take a look at projects that BG Wealth Group can take on for ourselves and also for our investors to provide them with the best risk-adjusted returns. Um, cryptocurrencies 
offer a very unique opportunity um, for people to make, you know, pretty good amount of money on a risk-adjusted basis. We're looking at and the internet back in the 1990s, right? Where cryptocurrencies as a whole, we are not sure of what type of opportunities will, will there be, right? So very exciting space for sure. So I need to step right back, okay? I am a complete newbie when it comes to cryptocurrencies. I'm sure a lot of listeners are. So a lot of listeners are a lot more advanced than I am. Um, can we just really define what the cryptocurrency space is? Right. So I'll give a one-liner, and then I'm going to elaborate on it to, to make that one-liner make sense. So a cryptocurrency is essentially a decentralized, and watch my wording, decentralized form of digital money. And um, to elaborate, to, for that definition to make sense, you have to understand how our digital money system works at a high level. Simply put, when I do an e-transfer between me and Craig, it's, it's simply just a form, a, a string of zeros and ones. It's just data being transmitted between each other, right? I send a hundred bucks to Craig and then just, it's just a hundred dollars of data being submitted to Craig's bank account. Now you have to understand that that information is being stored at a bank, right? The bank, stores all account balances and all that information between me and Craig. Now, you can kind of think about each country's banking system as a separate kind of database, right? Database or an Excel spreadsheet, just simply a list of account balances between every people, every person, right? Now, the problem is if I'm another individual, right, who, uh, doesn't like the country's banking system or that system is, you know, I don't trust that person or that country has an, an, infla an inflationary currency, right? I cannot participate in a country's banking system. Like if I want, if I'm a farmer and I want to get a loan in Canada, I need a Canadian passport or I need a Canadian driver's license. Well, I am out of luck and I am stuck with that country's currency. Right, so cryptocurrencies allows anyone from around the world to participate in kind of a global economic system, in, in a new global economic system. That is, that is really cool. Okay, so I'm, again, keeping it really simple. Mm -hmm. I was on Netflix last night, and I was starting to watch a show called Startup. And the main actor is Martin Freeman, and I always follow Martin Freeman for his whole career. So I started watching it. But the whole premise of the show is cryptocurrency. And of course, adding drama to cryptocurrency. So I'm really glad that you're telling me this because now I understand the show. Because <laughs> I don't understand the show too well. <laughs> Sounds good. It's a very complicated topic, right? But it's essentially just a global ledger, which anyone can participate in. It's right. And once people get that idea, then the light switch flips like, aha, I get it, right? Anyone can participate in this kind of global economy new type of digital system. So I want to step back to, to what you were saying there for a minute, Josh. You talked about an inflationary currency, and I want to make sure uh, that our listeners, our viewers understand what an inflationary currency is. 
Um, I remember reading an article right along this line not too long ago that talked about if you're in a country, you use the example of a farmer in another country trying to get a loan in Canada and they can't. And when, when I looked at this, uh, this space, what I saw was that farmer was living in a country that they put away $100 into their savings, um, say, 10 years ago. But their currency compared to the U.S. currency has dropped 10 times. So now their $100 is actually on the world market only worth $10. A person in a country like that cannot save. They just can't do anything to save. But when you bring in the cryptocurrencies, you now have a currency that is across the world that they can now buy into, say, a Bitcoin. And that Bitcoin will move along with the how Bitcoin moves, although very volatile. Uh, is that what you were referring to when you were talking about an inflationary currency? Right, because um, in these countries, right, say, for example, I was speaking with a developer in Venezuela who's facing insane amounts of inflation. And that's because these type of systems, they have leakages in them, meaning um, that country can print as much money as they want to. While that's not printing, it's not a good or bad thing when done incorrectly can have devastating effects for the country's constituents, right? So a, a cryptocurrency like Bitcoin, it's where engineering and finance converge together and there, there's no leakage. There's no, um, there's no form of way for the Bitcoin system to, in, to um, introduce more Bitcoin, meaning there's only 21 million Bitcoin and that's it. There's no way for the coin to inflate. Right. So I, I think that's a that's an interesting topic you're bringing up the the fact of no more Bitcoin. Uh, I think that's a conversation that I would love to expand on, but not today. I think we'll have you back another time and get into some of the details of, of the coins like you just brought up there. But, you know, going along with, you know, uh, multiple countries using the coins and cryptocurrencies, who are you seeing engaging most avidly in the crypto trading? And when I say crypto, I mean actually trading. Uh, are you seeing it's younger people, people who are more digitally savvy, people who are already familiar with the crypto demographics? Or are you seizing, seeing seasoned investors getting involved? Like you're talking to a number of people on a regular basis. Uh, many of them are clients or our partners. Who are you seeing really moving into this space? Right. Like any new technology, right? At first, it's always the, the people that are new into the space, the, more, the people that are more, I would say, the crypto natives, right? Back when credit cards were introduced, it was only people who understood the technology. Right? But then as the technology became more user-friendly, as it's been the crypto, as the technology, as sorry, as people understand the technology, then more and more people use it. Back when Bitcoin was introduced, it was only the weirdos and <laughs> right who were using it. But then, you know, as um, software developers make better user interfaces, right? And as people understand it more, then it's it's people who are, who like, like financial advisors getting into it, hedge fund managers, and even people like, you know, just the average Joe, right, who get to reap in the benefits of a Bitcoin or an Ethereum, right? Okay, so, so let's right. let me let me touch base on that for two seconds, okay? Mm -hmm. So cryptocurrency is a is a category. Bitcoin is a type of cryptocurrency. Ethereum is a type of Bitcoin uh, cryptocurrency. Mm -hmm. 
how can you decide which one to do as a newbie, as a person that's just entering the space? Right, right. Um, th there are many types of cryptocurrencies, absolutely. Um, and you know, it, it's definitely overwhelming when a person that comes into the space and sees thousands of cryptocurrencies, right? And this has helped, and it helps to talk to you know people in the space like me, you know, like Craig, or you know, do your research on the types of cryptocurrencies and the value propositions that they offer. Same thing like when you come into the stock market. You don't know what, whether to invest in Apple or Netflix or even General Motors or, you know, any type of company, right? So it helps to go into the space and do your research, right? Yeah, um, I've, I've always found, Josh, that um, if, if, you wanna, if you want success in, in an area that you're interested in, find someone who's already having success there and, and go work with them. And, you know, that's the, one of the reasons why uh, you came on board with BG, why I wanted you on board with BG is because you really recognize this space. And I got into the crypto space back last October, maybe for years, years, people had been telling me, Craig, uh, you're, you're constantly talking money, you're about money, you need to get into the crypto space, but I'd avoided it, like many people, I think, because I didn't understand it. But um, it's become more in the light these days when you have people like um, um, Elon Musk. Elon Musk, thank you. <laughs> when you have people like Elon Musk regularly talking about it, people are starting to listen. People are starting to look at it. And I know you've had numerous conversations with some of our clients, some of our partners, and helping them understand, kind of like we're talking about here on, on a high level, helping them understand what crypto is and how it works and how they can use it. And it's really interesting, I find some, when you talk to me after you've had conversations with those clients or I talk to them after, how they're starting to get engaged, they're wanting to understand it. And in talking to you, you're very easily able to simplify it for them and get that understanding going. But it takes constant conversation. Like you talk about going to research. That's a, that's a lot of work for some people. And I know you do a lot of research. You're, you're in this space every day. And I, I think uh, the clients that have talked to you have really found that they, they can move forward. So can I, can I ask something else? Again, it. just being on the very periphery of cryptocurrency, I see in the papers that Bitcoin took a huge drop. So there are influences in cryptocurrency. What type of influences happen and how does that type of currency bounce back? Right, right. So. Um, right. So Bitcoin is just like any type of market, right? Where stock market, it's a shoe market. And the last price that you see on Bitcoin is the price where two individuals transacted at. Since Bitcoin is a relatively, still a relatively new currency, still small, it's half a trillion dollars in market cap, right? That's nothing compared to the stock market. Um, you, you just need enough fearful people, right? Five or 10% of people that are, that are scared in order to bring down the price, right? With um, concerns of Bitcoin not being as energy efficient, right? Elon showing his fears around that. That's enough, you know, enough, uh, enough uh, people to get scared to bring down the price. So Elon right? Musk is, I, I mean, he's, a force of nature as well as a business person. People follow him. So he is an influencer. People follow him. 
just like, you know, Craig follows Warren Buffett. So if a person like Elon Musk were to say the sky is blue and it's gray, people will think that the sky is blue. So a person like that has a lot of influence over such currency, correct? Correct. So how does, it, how does, that, how does that currency bounce back when such a person like that has such an influence to say you know, A is B, even though B might not be B? Do you know what I mean? Right. Simple, simply, it just has to have more liquidity. M more money has to come in, R right? Like, for example, why, why Apple is just relatively more stable is because it has a dividend, for example, and it incentivizes people to hold the stock, right? And also, there's a lot of market makers in the stock market where, you know, if, if there's a quick price movement, there are arbitragers that come in and keep the price relatively stable. Right, Bitcoin, it's it's still new, right? There's and a, a, a funny thing right, I just realized is that say like the S and P five hundred, they have circuit breakers where they actually stop trading if the price goes down a certain level. Um, I think, don't quote me if I'm wrong. I think it's if the S and P falls, say lower than eight percent, um, they halt trading for 15, 30 minutes to prevent other people from continuing to bring the price and being fearful. on that specific stock. Yes. On that specific right. stock. Right. So, um, you know, like, but there's no, there's no, um, there's no, uh, management of cryptocurrency like that. So it's just volatile. It's going up and there, down. There's no management. It's just completely decentralized. Right? right. And when you have this type of like, no one really controls it, right. You will have those, spikes in volatility right yeah it's and and I, and I I feel along with that um, Josh and Claudia is crypto is fairly new and you've got a lot of new people getting into it starting to see the media around it and starting to say hey I should get into this thing this is the next best thing is what people are thinking in their minds type of thing and then when you have that kind of news You've got people who have bought in, then all of a sudden you've got that kind of news and, oh my gosh, did I make the wrong decision? And they start to run away. And mm -hmm. as some start to run away, more start to run away. So, but typically that is a short-term effect, uh, would you believe, would you say, Josh? Uh, overall, we're investing in cryptocurrencies and it's not just Bitcoin, as you say, it, it's Ether, uh, it's Ripple, and there's a, no a number of other cryptocurrencies that you're watching for as in trading in. But you know, as as Bitcoin took a hit because of Elon Musk's comments, you know, it, it's a short-term thing. And, and what people will see, and they're maybe even seeing it right now, if you watch the charts at all, you see that crypto, sorry, Bitcoin dropped significantly. It dropped pretty much half of it, retraced about half of its gain. But now you're seeing it trying to figure out, is it going to go up or if it's going to go down? And with a with a spike yesterday, even um, if we see it start to go up, then all of a sudden you'll have those people who jumped out and lost money say, oh, my gosh, I missed out. It's going up again. They'll jump back in probably. And that'll start to drive it up again. Our long term expectation for us is that it will go up. And that's why we're in this space. But you, you'll you'll get that back and forth that. Um, uh, trench to trench, I like to call it, because of the fear and the missing out, whether it's fear of it's going down or fear of it's going up and I'm missing out, that will constantly drive the cryptocurrencies to be volatile for probably some time. Right. And it's just the market like any other market. 
right? Like take a look at GameStop or take a look at lumber prices, right? They all operate under markets, right? And you just need enough people, right, to drive that price up, right? Um, yeah, and, and Josh, you, you talked about stock markets. We've seen that uh, in, in stock markets, in stock prices uh, in the past. Uh, I remember when um, Lululemon, you know, Lululemon, a fantastic company that has done very well and continues to be a strong stock for the most part. But you get a comment that comes out from uh, a high-level individual in the organization, and all of a sudden, Lululemon goes dropping down. And then there were people buying on that drop, knowing that Lululemon was still a great company, but for some reason, there was news that crashed it down. Doesn't right. mean it's a bad stock. So, you know, that happens all the time in all markets. And with crypto being so much in the news and so many people looking at it, it, it creates even more volatility, I feel. Right. And markets, yeah, you have to understand that markets, while they are good, right, and they encompass the minds of everyone, right, because you are voting, essentially voting with your money, right, in terms of how valuable you think a company will be in the future, right? Markets do make mistakes, right? We are humans and we feel, we feel fear, right? And we don't want to lose our hard-earned money, right? And unfortunately, that makes us make mistakes, right? And that's where, you know, institutions, you know, they take advantage, right? And we have to learn how to take a look at a company and say, do I want to hold this for 10 years? Warren Buffett says, if I cannot hold a stock for 10 years, I should not hold it for 10 minutes. And the same idea should, should apply to cryptocurrencies as well. Yeah, so I, you... I, I would agree with that 100%, uh, Josh. Uh, I know you and I talk on a daily basis about what the cryptos are doing and what some of the other markets are doing. And our conversation uh, is always uh, around Bitcoin or the other coins. You know, we, for our account, see a long-term price increase of the Bitcoin, of Ethereum, of Ripple. So we are in them, even though we're actively trading them on a daily, weekly, monthly basis, depending on what's happening, we are keeping a core investment in them because we do see holding them long-term has value. And I agree with you 100%. And obviously I agree with Warren. I agree with a lot of things Warren says, but <laughs> sorry, Claudia, you were about- I, to No, I, was, I love that quote that you just gave us about Warren Buffett. I thought it was great because listeners know I, I love quotes. Um, so I want to ask another question. The word blockchain, Blockchain is associated with cryptocurrencies. I have no clue what blockchain actually means. What is blockchain? Okay, so that's where the public ledger is. So, yeah, blockchain is, is essentially just a way of storing information. It, it's just a public ledger. The point of cryptocurrency, right? And that's where the confusion comes from. What's blockchain? What's cryptocurrency, right? Blockchain is just a public ledger. It's just a data structure, as a computer scientist would say, right? Just a way to store information. Now, um, because cryptocurrencies are decentralized, right? You have to find a way to make decentralized systems agree to each other. Meaning, like, because in our current system, we have a bank, right? And then these guys can do all the accounting. But when you have a bunch of systems around the world doing the accounting, you got to find a way to 
have them talk to each other. Exactly. Okay. Right? So in right. my little in my little little mind, I think about it's a portal that translates the different languages of the cryptocurrency. Is that right? Right. The blockchain technology. And then right. the cryptocurrency element is what incentivizes people to, you might have heard the term mining. Yes. Right? Mining just means computers from all around the world are doing like the accounting for the public ledger, right? And to incentivize these individuals, right? You, they get a, a cryptocurrency. They, they would get an Ethereum or they would get a Bitcoin deposited into their wallet because they spent the time, they spent the hard work, right? To validate or to do the accounting for the network. Okay, so let's talk about mining again, because mining had to do with Elon Musk's comment. So describe what mining is in cryptocurrency. It's not actually going out and mining ore. So describe what mining is. All you're doing when you're mining, you're just leaving your computer on, and then you're running some of like Bitcoin software. Like you would have to install some Bitcoin software. Um, It's very easy. It's just a Google search, right? And then you are just leaving your computer on, and it's just running some code 24/7. Okay, so how did that how did that affect Elon Musk's comment that affected Bitcoin in general? I don't know, Craig, if you want to answer this, or Josh answer it because I know I was talking to you Craig and trying to get my head wrapped around it. Craig, you want to go first or Oh, no, I? you go ahead, Josh. All right. So, um, it's just simply because there's just a lot of computers that fa- that run to validate the network and Elon was cons- was concerned about um, the types of energy that is used by individuals to, to run the Bitcoin network, right? Um, right. I don't think Bitcoin in itself is bad, but it's in terms of what energy, what are your energy sources, right, to, to, run the net, to run the Bitcoin network? Are you using coal or are you using solar energy, right? Right. And because Elon Musk's company is a very green company, he made a green comment that we're using too much energy for crypto. Gotcha. Okay. So again, one slight comment could do a massive effect, but you are, as your job and function is to watch those trends and mitigate that for clients, correct? Correct. Yes. So I I really like, Claudia, that you brought up this conversation of blockchain, uh, because to be completely honest, it was the blockchain side of things that held me up from getting into cryptocurrency for so long. You know, I can understand a currency. I can understand Bitcoin trades against the US dollar or uh, against other cryptos. That's easy for me to understand because I've traded um, the Forex, I've traded currencies and commodities all my life. But when it came to the blockchain, I didn't understand it. So. Thank you, Josh, for really simplifying simplifying that in that it is just a ledger, right? If I sell a coin, somebody else has to receive it. That might be Claudia, and we've got the blockchain recording all of that. But, I, you know, when we get into, you know, the energy use, because I know, Josh, you've talked about this service that these people use to, to mine, the people who are, you know, millions of computers, millions of people validating these transactions, you know, which it is a good thing because, you know, it means that transaction that I just made with, with Claudia is being recorded by many, many people, many, many miners, many computers, servers, however you want to call it. 
So it's being validated as true and it's being validated as now Claudia has that coin. So the blockchain is very important for, you know, solidifying transactions and recording them. And, you know, we've talked about cryptocurrencies are new, although they've been around for, for many years now, they're new in, in general to us because we're getting involved. You know, will, will that Josh improve over time? Will these things become more efficient? You know, you talk about using coal or using um, solar. Most things get more efficient over time. So is the blockchain, is Bitcoin maybe just so early on that it needs to evolve into more efficient ways? Absolutely, because uh, it's like whether you are validating, like using electricity to run the Bitcoin network or you're using electricity to just use normal browsing on your laptop, right? It's, we just have to be more energy efficient in general, right? With our energy mm -hmm. sources, right? And I think the narrative of the Bitcoin being inefficient, it's, I think it's a bit bogus in my opinion, right? Just my opinion, because you can use electricity, like we use electricity for our laptops all around the world. Does that right. mean we should th throw out our laptops? No, because it allows us to do all kinds of useful work and allows right. us to interact with each other, right? right? So same kind of idea. We just have to be more energy efficient, be more cognizant about how we use our energy. And, and really from, again, from a, a user standpoint, that's not doing the analytics day to day to day, like myself. All I really do care about, of course, I care about the environment and our listeners know that, but I also care about making money and I want to make sure that my hard earned dollars are making money. So I go into crypto with the understanding that this is a way of, of doing that. So that aside, you know, the, the energy portion, the energy portion aside, cryptocurrency is a great place to play and use um, use your money in a very positive way. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, and I, I'd have to clarify uh, that recognizing that cryptocurrency is very volatile, mm -hmm. and you know, making sure you're you're talking with individuals who have some experience in it. Uh, one of my fears. We've talked about this uh, on previous um, uh, podcast, Claudia, if you recall, is the young generation, the millennials right now, are jumping into investments that they've seen taken off, whether, whether it was Uber, whether it was Zoom, and they're making massive money very quickly with very easy decisions. Oh, I'm gonna jump on this new greatest thing. But all of a sudden it pulls back and it can wipe them out very quickly. For instance, Bitcoin running up to 60,000 US dollars and then pulling back to 30. That could wipe a lot of people out very quickly, especially if they knee jerk and say, okay, I gotta get out of this. Um, instead of uh, holding on for the long term. So, you know, you really got to be careful uh, in these spaces. And, and then back to the energy side, you know, I really, you know, it, it's really great having conversations with you, Josh. You know, we do this every morning and having it here, you, you really bring things to, you know, what the average person can understand. And, and even, even myself, some things you, you say, it's like, yeah, that makes sense. When you, when you talk about, the analogy of using a laptop compared to uh, blockchain and Bitcoin, um, it, it makes sense. If I'm in Canada and we're using solar energy or wind energy that are considered considered efficient, I run a laptop, it's using electricity and it's efficient. But if I'm in a country that doesn't have solar, doesn't have 
uh, efficient energies and they're using coal, they're still going to use their laptop and they're still um, burning um, um, non-green um, commodities to get their electricity. So, you know, it, it's really interesting how you can bring that conversation back around to what people understand and, and pull down, I'm, I'm not going to say pull down, pull us back on Eli's comments and, you know, there's probably there's some validity to it. I'm sure it's coming from a leader in this space. But how much emphasis do we put on it and halt our lives? For sure, for sure. So so let's, let's talk blockchain a little bit. And I may have covered some of this in my comments, but I'd like you to, to expand. Um, blockchain is, is a very important piece of cryptocurrency. So... How has blockchain, blockchain made an impact on the security of crypto investments? Right. Um, and it's just, it's a very simple answer. And it's just that there's just more people validating the network. When you have a central banking system, you have one person validating the network, right? And, you know, I worked at a bank before. I worked at Scotiabank a couple of years ago. And they have good processes, right, in order to, ensure the integrity of their systems, right? To, to make sure our funds are safe, but it's a lot of work for one party, right? There's a lot of work that goes into place, right? To, to ensure the integrity of the database. But when you share the work across many people with what blockchain is doing, it, it's a lot, it makes the network more secure. It is very difficult to hack blockchain. It's very hard. We, Bitcoin has not been hacked yet. You, you might hear some, uh, some news about like, oh, Bitcoin being hacked, but it's more like the individual gave up like their private keys, kind of like giving up your password, and then they lost their funds. But the whole Bitcoin network in itself has not been hacked. So in your analogy there, um, Josh, you're basically saying uh, that one bank was responsible for making sure your money was okay. And now you're saying there's many, many people across the blockchain making sure your money is okay. Pretty much, exactly. Right, right, okay. Let's talk right. about that, you also said just a second ago. So uh, some people have lost their key, they've lost their wallet. Just like losing their wallet in, you know, you go to a grocery store, you lose your wallet, you lose your cash that's in your wallet. The same thing can happen with your cryptocurrency. You have to keep it very protected and very safe because if you don't have the key to access your wallet, your money's gone, right? I know of, a, of actually a son of one of the, our employees who's really into this space and he started early on, he lost his key or he lost his wallet. He lost something, but <laughs> his Bitcoin is gone. He can't, he can't retrieve it again. So talk about the, that type of security from a personal standpoint. Right, because now, now we are bringing security like on a decentralized level, like meaning like it's more individualized. Like you're not really trusting, um, like an institution or a central party. You're more trusting yourself now, right? And you, you have when you are getting into the crypto space, you have to understand that, right? You are taking responsibility for your own money and your own cryptocurrency. Just, just like. When we're a society full of passwords and we can find our password again by hitting the forgot your passport, or sorry, forgot your, forgot your password on the 
portal and it goes to your email, you cannot do that with cryptocurrency, correct? So um, yes and no. Uh, there are two types of wallets. I don't want to go too much into detail. Okay. So, but there is like a crypto exchange, right? Like there are exchanges that provide services and they take custody of your crypto, like a Coinbase, like a Binance, like a Gemini, right? And then there's a non-custodial wallet where uh, you actually own the crypto, right? And then you have to ensure that, you know, you keep your private key safe. You, you keep your password safe, right? So th there are two types of services. Well, it uh, sounds like you know a lot about it. So I need to talk to you more. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you're, you're, you're now getting into a, a whole uh, further conversation with uh, Josh there on uh, where, you <laughs> where, where you actually keep your cryptocurrency, right? Well, I think that's you know, it Josh back. Is, is it, is it in your, in your, in your, e-wallet that's kind of like your your purse or your pocket where you have your cash and and then you know, you know you're fully responsible for it or are you using a, an e-wallet like a, a binance or something like that to hold it for you and uh and uh a, a very very another discussion a discussion for another day for sure looking forward <laughs> to that one i know josh and i have had that discussion as well because again that that was something that confused me but you know when when we bring it back to what we're used to right one of them is like having cash in your pocket. And one of them is like having uh, your cash in a bank, but not a bank. It, it's, it's with an e-wallet. Um, and, you know, I use the e-wallet word very loosely because it does have uh, multiple spaces uh, that, it can, that it can affect or be in. So, again, more conversation with Josh. I'm sure we'll come around that. <laughs> right. Yeah, for sure. So... Uh, I think, uh, you know, it, it's been a great conversation here, Josh, and I'm sure our listeners really appreciate starting to hear more about crypto. And I know you're watching cryptocurrencies and trading cryptocurrency in our BG account. Uh, if people want more information, uh, where can they reach you? What's the best way to get a hold of you? Sure. Uh, reach out to me at joshua at bgwealthgroup.com. And just to have a chat about cryptocurrencies, right? Uh, so, you know, like it's a very complicated field, right? Um, so uh, yeah, feel free to reach out to me. Let's have a chat. Yeah, and um, when, when Josh, you say complicated, I, I think it's complicated for many of us because we don't understand it. It's new to us. And the first step is reaching out and having that conversation. Um, I know you've got a number of our, our clients, our, our client, our partners who have started to talk to you and, and started to get that understanding. But it's not always just one conversation, right? As you say, there's, there's a number of different layers to cryptocurrency. And if, you know, 100 years ago, we didn't understand the opening of a bank and how it was handling our money, we would have kept our money in our pocket. So it is an, an evolution of money. And I know when I've talked to you and I've heard other clients talk to you, they start to get that understanding and that comfort that they can move into the space. So um, please, anybody listening, uh, feel free to reach out to uh, Josh and at least start the conversation, even if you're not uh, into buying into cryptocurrencies or trading in cryptocurrencies, start the conversation so you understand it, right? As we evolve, we don't want to get left behind, right? So Josh, remind everybody how to get hold of you. Right. So again, reach out to me at joshua at bgwealthgroup.com. Excellent. You know. Well, thank you, Josh. <laughs> Thanks for being here today.
yeah, happy to be here, guys. Um, take care. Thank uh, you. Thank, so thank you, Josh and uh, Claudia. Um, it's been a wonderful episode. Thank you, Josh. And uh, Claudia, I believe you would like to finish with a closing quote, probably, as you always do. I always like my quotes. And Josh, thanks for providing a great quote during the episode. My quote today is, the future is already here. It's just not evenly distributed. And that was said by the economist William Gibson. So very apropos, I think, to our episode today. So everybody, please remember to like, comment, and subscribe to our podcast channel. And if you're watching us on YouTube, hit the notification bell to get updates on our latest podcast. And thank you again, Josh, for being here today. And once again, thank you, Craig, for a great episode. Thank you, Claudia. Thank you, Josh. Thanks, guys.